Ideas are everywhere. Welcome to Lessons Learned in Marketing, the Phoenix Group Podcast. I'm your host, David Bellarive. Welcoming back the one and the only Beverly Teresa from Edmonton, Alberta. Well, welcome back, Beverly. It's good to talk to you again. Thanks for having me again. Oh, it's my pleasure. How have you been? Uh, just really busy. I recently moved, like yesterday, so... <laughs> um, trying to find time to set up my office and just stuff like that so how does the um how does the new year look for you this year um i'm gonna be really busy so far if january and february are any indicators Uh, i'm gonna be focusing on content marketing um basically all the content in the world and (laughs) updating my old blog posts. I'm launching a new website and have a secret project in the works, hopefully launching that in April. And kind of just working on like myself marketing myself more. Wonderful. I like I like I like secret project and that you're keeping it a secret. I'm very <laughs> I'll excited. Tell you, I'll tell you later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well definitely be watching for it in April. So um, we had uh, we tried to connect earlier this year, but um, between uh, your schedule and my schedule, we just haven't been able to make it happen. I really wanted to kind of do a thing with you where we we look back at last year and kind of look ahead too at what maybe um, <clears throat> what's exciting and what businesses and brands should be looking out for. Does that sound yeah. good? Yeah, for sure. So what have you seen that's uh, really exciting on social media for brands or or that brands should should maybe look at? A lot of people are talking about micro-influencers, so them being like um, an influencer who has 4,000 to 100,000 followers instead of like a million, and I think that brands should be using micro-influencers. I mean, there's a stat that's like if a user has over 100,000 followers, they get 1.7% engagement, while a micro-influencer who has 4,000 to 100,000 followers gets 2.4% in their engagement rate. So like you can see that there's quite a big difference and you want to use the micro-influencer because they're the ones who get the engagement and more people are listening to what they're saying. Whereas with a larger influencer, it's kind of just like they're there, they look at their pictures or they see what they're up to, but they're not really like listening to what um, their messaging that they're putting out. Well, that makes sense because, um, uh, especially for us, I don't know, um, have, do you have um, a lot of those large influencers in Alberta or in the markets that you're dealing with? Uh, in Edmonton, there's a couple. And then, yeah, like Edmonton's really the market that I deal with on a daily basis. So, yeah. And um, do, you, do you do much influencer marketing? I have worked with influencers in the past, but it's more like inviting them to an event and then we give them a contract and like if you have to tweet this and use this hashtag or you have to tweet like so many times use this hashtag, you have to post to Instagram and you have to do like some other thing. And then it basically outlines if you don't do it, then you don't get the payment at the end of it. And is that, I I remember, um, well, you talked at Social West last year and I think you're going to talk again this year at yeah, Social West. And one of the speakers was the fellow from uh, Banff and the Banff area. And he was, right. they, of course, get um, 
uh, hit up with influencers all the time. Is that typically the way it would work or the way you'd use an influencer? Is that reaching out to them and asking them to do something in return? Yeah, I mean, with influencers, they kind of run themselves as a business or a personal brand. So, of course, you want to offer them something in return for this coverage. And you get the reach that they have, so you're gaining an additional audience. And it's not only like if you just started your business and you, it's hard to like make a billion followers <laughs> or like have a thousands of followers at first. But when you work with an influencer, they already have those followers and in turn you can turn those followers into yours. So would I, um, would you know who, who's, who's for hire and who's not for hire? Or is it just a question of finding a bunch and reaching out to them? It's a question of finding a bunch and reaching out to them. Some of them, have managers so when you send them an email they'll be like oh i'm forwarding your email to my manager and then you can kind of tell like hey this is they're going to be too <laughs> expensive for our campaign but yeah like just looking to see about like looking to see on the social media networks where people are getting really good engagement their followers are real and um, they align with your brand and what your goal is from the campaign and then as a as a brand, what could you expect to what what kinds of things would you be asking them to do? Posting about your product or like your event or your service. Um, you can get them to like write a blog post about your product, like reviews are really good. And just like anything you want them to do, kind of, <laughs> as long as it fits into what their brand is, um, they'll most likely do it. And if they're getting paid the correct amount. And typically they're not going to be um, like they're going to be genuine because they have uh, um, an audience to protect. Right. So. Is yeah, that for sure. I mean, you we give them when I worked with influencers, we gave them guidelines on these are the hashtags and like these are how many posts and like the type of media we're expecting for them to produce. But we don't enforce like this is how your tweet has to sound and this is what the content has to be because you want to give them the opportunity to be more genuine and be themselves in their wording of what they're posting. And do you think um, using micro influencers would 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 get that um, I guess better coverage or more? Your the stats you were talking about were more engagement with their audience. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, with micro influencers, they have a more dedicated audience, and they're like less expensive to hire than larger influencers, let's say that. And they're usually more than eager to help you out and like execute on what you want them to do. Sometimes they'll go over your expectations, which is amazing. And they don't really take things super seriously like a like a large influencer would. It's more like, oh, cool, this is a neat opportunity for me. I'm going to come out and help you with whatever it may be, um, sharing your product, your service, or your event. And you can usually give them like a gift card and stuff. <laughs> I'm just speaking from experience. I'm sure there's some that are more professional than that. But um, yeah, they have a stronger audience. I think it'd be good news too for for a brand like um, a person with four or five thousand followers probably much more excited to be uh, being approached by a brand than yeah someone with the the the, the real big pootie pies of the world <laughs> <laughs> definitely.
<laughs> so what else have you uh, what, what else have you seen that uh, on that's exciting for brands Oh my God, Facebook Messenger chat bots. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I've been following like this growth hacker in the States for a while, and he just put out like a new ebook white paper thing. And usually he's like, get, um, subscribe to this list and you'll get this email, this white paper PDF delivered to your inbox. But instead, what he did was, um, click here to go to Facebook Messenger and we'll messenger you the PDF. So I was like, okay, I'm like, this is cool. So I did that. And then it's like, can, instead of having those emails that pop up like two days later and stuff, and you're like, okay, well, I have the choice on whether to open it or not, or just delete it. They're, they're sending their follow-up messages in Messenger. And it's kind of like you don't really have the option not to read it because, well, for me, I want that notification gone saying that I have a new message. Um, and it's just like it seems more genuine because it's they make it like very plain language and they make it conversational. It's not like this long, drawn out email. It's just like a couple sentences following up with you. What did you think about our PDF that you downloaded? And I notice a lot of other businesses and brands are jumping on this, too, and they're doing the exact same thing. Yeah, it's it's uh, that is a, a, a really interesting interesting area talk to um andy from automat a few weeks ago uh okay. and they're out of toronto and they're doing or montreal and they're doing um ai through messenger are you cool. are you worried about like the is this going to cause us all to hate facebook even more like this messenger inundation? <laughs> <laughs> i think people are smart enough to know that it is an ai and like so when you get asked to type in a specific word or just like asked to connect with them on messenger. You kind of already know that this is going to be something that's automated. Well, hopefully, and if not, they'll get used to it and then they'll realize that, Hey, this is like the new thing. Um, I, I don't know. I don't personally use Facebook messenger. Like if someone sends me a message on messenger, sometimes I'll just like ignore it. <laughs> But yeah. Well, that's that's interesting. But you didn't ignore this guy who sent no, you that. I didn't. Yeah, that's because it was him. Because it was like I I like follow him religiously. So yeah. And are you expecting um, follow up on Messenger from him, or was there anything after that? There was follow up for I would say two to three weeks, and then because I never messaged back, I was just reading the messages just to see like the tactics they were using. Um, I haven't heard anything back since, so I'm not sure how you can like stop receiving messages from people or what the best practices are for you to stop sending these um, follow up messages. But yeah, I mean. It's definitely something that brands and businesses should look into, and it's something that I'm probably going to be implementing over the next month or so. Yeah, it's really that untapped area that, um, yeah. because I know LinkedIn too, but LinkedIn has that messenger and they, they protect it so you can only receive so many advertising messages yeah. at a time. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens on Facebook and Facebook Messenger in that, in that way. Definitely. Oh, and um, anything else on Facebook that you're excited about? Or? No, I hate Facebook, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> Facebook is great if you're just doing ads and stuff. But for organic posting, like we know that there's that 
algorithm change that Facebook and Instagram both have now. Um, it's just so frustrating from like a small business perspective. But I mean, if you can focus more on the advertising aspect of Facebook and paying for people to see your posts and putting out really, really good quality content for organic posts, then it shouldn't be that difficult. But I just overall in general, Facebook is not the platform for me. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a difficult ground to play in for sure, both from, um, well, they, they want, they definitely, Mark definitely wants you to be paying. and. Yeah. <laughs> I know there's 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 brands and there's companies that are still um, working hard at the organic the organic content. Where where do you see what what social channels are you um, focusing on? For Cause, myself, because Facebook is the beast. It's hard to ignore it. Yeah, it's hard to ignore Facebook. Like I still recommend to my clients have a Facebook page. Let's do some paid advertising. Um, for myself, though, I'm going to be focusing on LinkedIn a lot this year. So LinkedIn is kind of uh, underutilized. Um, people see it as the boring social media platform. But because it's underutilized and not a lot of marketers are taking super advantage of it, it has more space for people like me to go in and play around with it. Um, with LinkedIn, I actually brought in, like when I first started freelancing, I brought in my first high four-figure client from LinkedIn, and it was just me posting relevant links and um, sharing out my blog content and engaging with other people. So, I mean, it's not that difficult to do. You just have to like keep at it and be consistent about your LinkedIn marketing. Um, but also it's like a great place to meet other people that might be related to your industry. You might need to work with them like a graphic designer or something like that. But yeah, so I'm going to be focusing on LinkedIn a lot. Twitter, um, I'm kind of on Twitter just for being silly, uh, but I do get a lot of referrals from Twitter. And I'll be focusing a lot more on um, email lead generation and things like that. Oh, okay. Does the Just back to the LinkedIn, does that kind of tie to what you're talking about uh, right off the start, more content? Yeah. So I've been playing around with the LinkedIn publishing tool and like it's very difficult I, like from hearing what people say at conferences and things like that about LinkedIn you have to be sharing your articles like 10 million times to get enough views and to get that attention but I'm going to keep at it and keep trying that and content um, there's a new there well there's like not a new strategy or tactic but people are saying create pillar content so the longer and more thorough the content is and well still keeping with quality the the more google will love that meaty stuff so having instead of writing your 800 word blog post have like 9,000 words or something but like you see moz doing it a lot like they have um, pages and pages of how to do social media or how to understand SEO and things like that. And those pages rank really well because they're so high quality and they're so useful to people. And there's always people searching for that stuff. So pillar content is one big thing I'll be focusing on and something that I would recommend brands and businesses to focus on this year. It's definitely got to come back to that usefulness though, right? Like it's not yeah. just 9,000 words no. of, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a big investment for you. Wow, that's that's going to be uh, I'll, I'll be interested to watch and, and see yeah. how that goes. That's big sharing. Yeah. And that's what outsourcing is for. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. 
And then um, uh, on LinkedIn, are you are you publishing directly on LinkedIn, or do you still or do you recommend people publish to their blog and lead away from LinkedIn? I'm just curious so what you do. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of like publishing links to my blog post and resharing them like 10 times. Um, because I guess when you post, you're only reaching 30% of your audience. So the more that you post, the more audience you'll reach with that particular link. Um, but I did write like an in link in platform article about how commercial real estate is behind the times on digital marketing. And I find that the more that I share that, the more views it gets or the more it shows up. But it's not as popular as posting a link to my website. So I'm still kind of playing around with the strategy and talking to some of the people that presented on LinkedIn at some of the conferences I've been to. So kind of learning that space better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you um, do you uh, mix up then the, the way you're presenting that link when you reshare it? Or yes. Are you resharing it on LinkedIn? Yes. Oh, okay. So I'll reshare the same link. Either it's to the blog post on my website or to the article. And I'll reshare it like a, a million times, but also like recap, rewrite the text in the caption so it appear, appeals to a different audience. Um, and then also sometimes I'll change up the photo and the thumbnail and things like that. I definitely heard that before, and I'm and I, and that's good news, especially that it's working for you. It's good news, and um, it's good, especially if you're going to start uh, that high investment content, that high, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anything else you're focusing on for the new year? I am going to be not really social media related, but streamlining like my business processes and workflows. It's kind of boring to talk about, <laughs> um, but like so. Um, having a workflow when someone sends me a form from my website so I don't really have to deal with it right away. I can have this automated system that will um, lead them all the way to scheduling a phone call with me. And that's really important because I always think like if you are your own business or you're one person, you should be focusing more on like the money making stuff and having an assistant or a virtual tool that can help you focus on the admin stuff, then you're like pretty much all set for your streamlining your processes. Cause you don't want to be dealing with admin stuff every day cause it's so boring. Um, so the more you can focus on the money making stuff, the better. So that's probably my new mantra for this year. Oh, well, good luck. Thanks. <laughs> it's really fun. Not. <laughs> well, it'll be fun to get rid of that stuff. Maybe a little yeah, bit. For but, sure. yeah. What, what do you think, um, or what will you be, uh, is there a theme you find to what you're going to be looking at or what brands and businesses should be looking at and considering this year? Yeah, so updating their social media strategy. A lot of times people create their strategy if they even have one, um, and then they kind of forget about it or they are still working to that to those specific goals and things like that. But because social is changing and people are using social in a different way, it's a good time to look at your strategy and change things around if you see something that isn't relevant anymore. Um, and also influencer marketing, but thinking outside of Instagram. So when we talk about influencers, 
companies or people automatically think, oh, Instagram, like famous Instagram people. But thinking about leaders in your industry. So let's say you did you have like a website that offers like a so a specific tool for social media, um, getting influencers to blog about it, to try it out and to give you a testimonial on it. Like it would it means a lot that Kim Garst likes using Post Planner. So I was like, oh, cool. Like I'm going to check out Post Planner because Kim Garst uses it. And it's not that she posts about it on her social. She just and I know that there's um, affiliate marketing, so she gets a cut. But I mean, it means a lot to me that she uses it and she um, doesn't really talk about using it as much, but she recommends the tool. And so when someone like Kim Garst, who's like a leader in the social media space, recommends a tool, people are listening. So it's not necessarily, hey, I'm posting about me using this tool on Instagram. It's just like a broader way to market it. Oh, that's interesting. So, uh, anything else for for um, for brands this year? Um, Facebook groups. So, because of the limit that they're giving pages for their reach, business pages, a Facebook group is really easy to create. And if you can build up a community of dedicated people in that group and kind of keep it active and engaging, um, the more success you'll find in reaching your audience. So now I've heard of I I'm, I'm like in community groups so of yeah. uh, community of, of friends or clubs or that side of things, and now I, I have not got into any kind of professional or um, uh, advertising or marketing or even sector kind of groups. They exist, and and how do you find them? Yeah, so I mean, some people just because you, you can add whoever you want to the group, and they don't actually have to approve it. So I sometimes get added into groups that are really random, but some are really useful. And mostly, like you can't even tell that it's run by a business or a brand. It's kind of just like this sneaky way to indirectly market themselves. And you'll see even influencers have their own Facebook group, but it'll be like like social media influencers. Um, and it'll be like, oh, social media for entrepreneurs or something. And that'll be the title of the Facebook group. So you're like, oh, cool. Like, I'm going to like join this group and see what's up. But then like you realize that, oh, it's actually hosted by a social media person who does social media for professionally. So um, it's kind of just like that sneaky way to build community and build that loyal following. So then when you have something that you want to push or sell, you can do it without sounding cheesy, I guess. And because no one likes the upfront sale. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you say it's sneaky, but it's also kind of um, I mean, you are you're you're hopefully providing a service in yeah. that um, you're bringing a community of like-minded or people that want to talk about something. Yeah, for sure. Um, have you, um, have you, is there a way to search out groups or um, do you know? I, I haven't seen that. So just like in the Facebook search bar, if you're on your personal profile, you can just start typing in like social media and then it'll come up. Um, you can select by groups and then you can see what kind of groups there are. There's like an Alberta social media one um, and just like specific industry ones. There's also ones for like your favorite brands and stuff, which is kind of weird. But yeah. Yeah, now that now that you start to mention that, I I think of um, like my wife is in a professional group, and yeah. it's it's a real mix of uh, 
helpful problem solving, but also yeah. just sort of sharing, um, sharing funny stories about their lives and work. Yeah. <laughs> and definitely like if you're in a business group and like you can get new clients from there as well by being helpful and answering their questions about for me and be like, oh, I'm answering your question about social media. And then people kind of come to me with questions about social. So eventually they'll hire me mm-hmm. if they can't do it themselves. Well, that's really neat. I like that idea. That's um, um, that's fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna work on that. Yeah. Uh, what else do you see for brands this year? Um, let's see. Thinking outside of the box, I guess, because like everyone uses influencers, even though that's something that's still important. How else can we market to people without pushing our product in their face? And once you find the answer to that, uh, please tell me. <laughs> but I know that a lot of strategists are kind of trying to think outside of the box or be the box that um, sets the precedent. Uh, it's difficult, but like I still haven't really found or thought of a way to do it. So like, cause we're going to be marketing to, so they're saying we're going to be marketing to Gen Zs. <laughs> Gen Z's or whatever it is. So people who are born after 1995, I believe. So it's no longer, you won't be hearing the term millennial as much. It'll be Gen Z's. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So those, those people, that generation, they're more focused. They're entrepreneurial. They don't care about bargains or like offers and things like that so they're less likely to click on banner ads and they care more about quality and they're really smart like they grew up with the internet this is the life that they've known with (laughs) they've never known life with the landline and things like that so um since these people are turning into like decision makers and they're going to be growing up and stuff like that or they are growing up um finding smart ways to market to them that they can't, that's like more transparent, I guess, and not sneaky or indirect. Yeah. Really uh, finding the genuine, the genuine connections. Yeah. That's good advice. So, um, every new year, everybody makes resolutions. Uh, and I was wondering if you had any, uh, that you have made. I know for me, I was, I, I, and I'm, it's so hard. I said, I'm not being negative <laughs> on social media at all. So I'm, <laughs> <laughs> but I so much want to rant all the time, but nope, not doing it. So how about I'm you? Not, uh, I'm still negative and ranty, <laughs> but I'm also positive. Like I feel like I'm like 99% positive, 1% kind of bitchy. Um, <laughs> but that's just part of my brand. Yeah, so, exactly. yeah we'll just tell ourselves that. Um, <laughs> so I guess I want, like my focus, as I said in the beginning, was going to be content this year. So trying to build up content and have like doing batch content where I sit down for like an entire day and do all the content for a month or something like that. So I don't have to stress about it. So I think content will be a big one. And then I'm also going to be pivoting my personal business focus to the types of businesses that I want to market to and work with. Um, So putting out content that's related to that and connecting with more of those types of businesses. And as you um, as you look at uh, the brands you see in and around your circles, what are some of the bad habits that we should be changing for the new year or or looking at trying to improve? Uh, Having a website. I mean, 
it's so funny because small businesses don't really think they need to have a website. But then as you can see, like the Facebook and Instagram algorithm change happened and now they're experiencing um, less reach. So it's harder for them to reach new clients or reach new customers. Um, having a, a website, you own the content that you're publishing. You can do whatever you want with it, um, whether you share it or you don't share it. But I always recommend have a website. Um, and if you have one, optimize it for search engine, for search engines, um, and kind of just like think about it from the user's experience. So tailoring it to the user, not talking so much about yourself as a business or what you're offering and update it quite like update it as often as possible. So Google knows that it, it's not like a dead link or something like that. But I always believed in having a website, driving traffic to your website should be a really top priority. And just owning the space where you're publishing things. Cause I mean, you can be publishing on LinkedIn in their LinkedIn pulse, I believe it's called or whatever it is. Um, you can be publishing posts in there, but then all of a sudden, what if LinkedIn shut down? It's not going to shut down, but, um, what if they discontinued that service or, um, that feature on their website, then all that content you created is gone in the trash. And there's like, you could have owned that on your website and had that so you can rank for your website for that specific type of content. So, yeah, it's so frustrating. I know, um, I can't remember how many years ago LinkedIn flipped their, uh, whole publishing format in their, uh, company pages and it was, yeah. it was a mess and yeah. that, yeah, to avoid that and, and have that content in a place that you own is yeah, great advice. Exactly. So where are you going to be this year? I see. I saw that you're uh, talking at Social West. Uh, that's exciting. Yeah, I love Social West. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Have you got any other any other gigs lined up like that? Or yeah, so I'll be talking at iMedia at the beginning of March. That's in Edmonton. And I'm going to be talking about social media listening and monitoring and like how people are, how brands and businesses are missing out on potential clients or new customers. Um, and then I'm going to be talking at social media camp in Victoria in May. I, yeah, in May. And I'm going to be talking about, what am I even talking about? Oh, just like new way, new different strategies to grow your following, like qualified following. Um, there might be some shady stuff in there. It's expected from me, but yeah, that should be fun. And then Social West, I'm going to be actually talking about like, why are these best practices when it comes to social media? What if you do the opposite? So I'm doing some testing right now through my Twitter account. So if you see anything weird, that's me just testing things out for my talk. Um, but like automated DMs, why are automated DMs not best practice? Um, what's the click through rate on automated DMs and, and just like kind of stuff like that. It should be fun. So you're doing the opposite of best practices. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love that about you. So I love that last year you, you were, um, talking about hacking growth and, and, yeah. uh, it was, it, 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 you, you, uh, revealed some interesting tricks that I had no idea <laughs> existed, but uh, yeah, I encourage everybody to go see uh, or hear you if they can. I'll, I'll throw those links on our podcast page. And Beverly, how can people get a hold of you? They can follow me on all social media platforms and the username's at Hello Beverly. It's Beverly with an L-E-Y at the end. And my website is Hello Beverly with an L-E-Y at the end dot com. Well, thanks again for uh, chat and uh, wish you all the best for 2018. 
Thank you so much. Thank you. And that's the show this week. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes or through your favorite podcatcher app. The music for Lessons Learned in Marketing is provided by Six Degrees in Calgary. Have a great week.